Welcome to Circuit and Gear, podcast about scenic automation and other cool tech. I'm Cody. I'm Christian. I'm Harry. And I'm Mike. Welcome to Machine. Well, we're here with another one of our uh, good friends, Brian Fausca. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So, Brian, you uh, are now currently working for us, but before that, you were uh, at a regional theater out on the other coast? Yeah, I spent uh, about 15 years at Seattle Repertory Theater, a regional theater in Seattle. You can tell by the creativity of their name, that's where they are. <laughs> um, which was where I first was introduced to this company. Uh, we were one of the early users of the gear, so we had the old OEM boards that yeah. I believe Mike was a real big fan of. I still am. And I, I think it's mostly all that area, too, that has, like, all of them. It's all right. out there. The heat map is is very hot in that corner of the country. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. That whole coast. So then, uh, so, okay, so you're at Seattle for the last 15 years. What about before that? How'd you get into this? So my uh, drive for theater sort of actually comes from the backstage nature, the special effects, the things like that. When I was a kid... Um, I loved theme parks. Mm-hmm. We took trips to Disneyland, Universal Studios, things like that. And it was always the, like, how do they do that that drove me to love it so much. So when I got into high school, I was thrilled to find that there was a class where I could learn to make scenery that felt like the closest thing I was going to get in school to making movies. Mm-hmm. But I never went any further into the movie path uh, from an educational standpoint. I just did uh, theater decided that was pretty cool that was fun and there's an extra element of it being live that makes it really fun i do like live entertainment mm-hmm. um so that was sort of the the entrance into it our high school did an annual trip to um the oregon shakespeare festival and we would see several shows in two days or three days in one theater and having them be fully realized with automation um and every production element that you expect from a theater show in that short of a time sort mm-hmm. of did another thing where it piqued my interest and made me like, how the hell do they do that? Like, what, did, what is this repertory theater you speak of? So that was all sort of really roped me in um, and felt like something that would be fun to explore. So I went to school to learn how to do that. So you went to, you went to college for a theater? I did. I went to Cornish College of the Arts, um, which they're... Their production department has changed dramatically over the years. Uh, what it had mostly going for it when I was there was that uh, for an undergrad program, and this may still be true, I don't know any students there now, for an undergrad program you had full opportunities to participate in all of the productions that were happening. So it wasn't like you were overshadowed by the graduate students who were doing all the design work and the mm-hmm. um, leadership roles. It was you know a sophomore could be the TD, a freshman may be designing late in the year. Um, so it was a whole lot of hands-on opportunity, which was great. There wasn't beyond that though, it is missing a lot of resources. So if you want to go to be a technician or to learn about the sort of state of the art, it's a rough place. Um, just because the department is so small and the funding was not, um, great. So yeah, that was, those are sort of the downsides. It was also what I really enjoy problem solving, trying to figure out a way to do things with the resources that you have. So when we didn't have any equipment to do things with and the um, technical direction instructor sent me to a local little theater that has since closed down Mm -hmm. to borrow some pneumatic equipment and just sort of figure out on my own how to 
to make a microphone come up out of the floor or to make footlights pop up or, you know, whatever sort of effects like that. It was, it was great because it, it got me to like, Oh, you can make up new ways to do all this stuff. Right. And that sort of is a, a big driver to me seeing the, the creativity to solve the problem. It's the exciting part. Yeah. Yeah. The, sometimes it's, it's always nice to have all the bells and whistles, but sometimes it's like, when you're backed into the corner and you got to get scrappy and like just make something happen, like a lot of, a lot of fun and a lot of learning can happen all pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, where is Cornish College? Uh, in Seattle. It's oh, um, okay. Cool. Yeah, they they used to have a couple of like really old, expensive, uh, not very good theater buildings that were just they were expensive because of the real estate in the area. <laughs> Shortly after I left, they moved um, and had a new facility sort of outfit, but again, it was a empty space masquerading as a black box which again i you know i think it drives some of the creative problem solving you get creative scenic design uh it's a great way to do immersive theater um Mm -hmm. i'm not a huge fan of prosceniums so maybe that's where that comes from is that we never had one in my school (laughs) we always just put the seats wherever the heck we wanted and the audience had to be you know you could see the other audience across the way and um, all of that stuff but and then after school did you go straight to seattle rep or around the area for a while or how'd that go so after cornish i got on the um, union dispatch list and took calls at theaters where i could working in scene shops primarily um i had done a little bit of design work but mostly it was scenic uh stuff with an emphasis in technical direction to the extent that there were emphases Mm. at uh cornish so um that kept me busy for a while and then they were shooting a movie called rose red in seattle and they ran out of builders Uh, so they reached out to the theatrical union and asked, do you guys have anybody that you can send over our way um, to Local 48 is the studio mechanics union in Seattle. So they sort of pulled in a bunch of theatrical people and we all started help building that set. It was great to have a movie shooting in town where the one of the characters is the house. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, you know, like 10,000 square feet of scenery and a, basically a soundstage. Um, That's cool. Built out at a old, um, at Sandpoint, it's a military facility from way back uh, so we we built a giant mansion inside the soundstage and that was that kept me busy for about six months which is pretty awesome it's hard to stay working on a movie in six months in seattle uh, after that there was a movie shooting in portland called um the hunted and i got pulled down there to work on that did some pretty cool things um and then i learned that yeah you don't get more than like 10 months in a row of movie work in seattle so that all dried up and i went back into theaters um I got a job in Sacramento working as an associate technical director, an assistant technical director at a performing arts center for high schools. Um, mm-hmm. School district gig, great, you know, benefits, reliable pay, too much education, not enough live theater for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that lasted about four years. I did my second four years of high school. Um, <laughs> was that one uh, better four years then or? Uh, it was probably better. Yeah, years. I was old enough to drink. Oh. Um, that was helpful. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, we had some fun. We had some good resources. It was a new facility, so they have, like, um, they have a budget built for making sure the facility is equipped well. And while I was oh, there, nice. like, it, it's a budget number that hits a couple years into the building. So the building was new. Mm-hmm. And then a few years in, they're like, okay, just to make sure you have all the things you need, here's this stuff. And that, mm-hmm. like school districts sometimes do, they, like, waited until the end of the year because they wanted to suck that budget up. Mm-hmm. So they told us, like, well, if you can spend this in the next two months, you've got it. But otherwise, it's gone. 
And that, that was definitely a challenge accepted for my <laughs> boss and I. Uh, so we were like the only high school theater with a couple of very lights and um, uh-huh. all new sort of fancy oh. stuff. We bought like a $5,000 LED star curtain. And, uh, Whatever you could to spend the money. Yeah, basically. Yeah, we were like, <laughs> right. oh, well, you're going to try and pull that. We will spend every dollar and we will have cool toys. Yeah. Um, that's that's a cool way to do it. Like, the, <laughs> I, I, like my first year of high school i was in a building like a performing arts center that like had a new uh like a new building and everything and it seemed like they had some consultants that just were like here is the pile of money that you can spend and they had to spend it all before anyone is in the building Mm. so like (laughs) there was a scene shop but it had like fine carpentry tools that like we didn't need at all (laughs) like here's a like the most expensive tool in it in the shop was like the planer like <laughs> and there was just like and then here's like a small little lathe like it was like a bunch of stuff that like high school kids can't use this shit what is happening so that's that's, that's a good plan to delay delay the spending yeah. of those resources when it was like a wrap-up thing we had okay stuff to begin with but then it was this you know if you've discovered problems over the couple of years uh, here's some yeah. money to fix them. And we were like, well, yeah, we'll, we'll fix the problem. We there's, do not have moving lights. That's a problem. There's never any problems, right. though, in a new constructed theater. No, no. New yeah. construction is great. And the uh, um, consultants always get it right. Every time. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Uh, so I think we were rambling through my path to where I am. So that was the high school. Mm-hmm. I did my second four years of high school and then moved back to Seattle uh, because there was some theater there, family there is where I'm from. I really like that corner of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so we moved back, uh, and I worked at Seattle Children's Theater for a brief stint until I got hired as the ATD at Seattle Rep, um, which is when I was handed a stack of eight OEM cards, and they, they just said, here's what we got. We we asked for an automation grant. We didn't get enough to buy the real product. What we got was the pieces. Um, take this and convert our old Goddard system to work. And uh, that was my foray into animation. And that's definitely problem solving. <laughs> yes, that was a bit of that. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't like it when other people open those boxes today, though, because they see, like, all my poor wire management choices, and there's no – it's so bad. It's bad in there. They really need to upgrade those. <laughs> but now we've got an inside man to try to, you know, force them to do so. So that's pretty good. Yeah, for us. <laughs> I was on the path uh, before I came over here. Anyhow, it was sort of that's actually a bit of how my transition happened to being an employee at Creative Commons. Oh, nice. Yeah, on my way out, well, before my way out at Seattle Rep, I had started like uh, outlining a couple year plan to upgrade all the equipment. Mm-hmm. And once I was sort of realized I was on my way out, I was leaving. Uh, I reached out to Mike and said. You know, that order that I was talking about, planning and figuring out the best steps to upgrade each thing in a you know timeline that makes sense. Uh, mm-hmm. I won't be your contact on that because I'm not going to be here anymore. <laughs> um, but if you know anywhere that's looking for somebody with my kind of background, let me know. And then he, uh, I think the reply was, we should chat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. So then we chatted. And then right. six months later, I'm house hunting in Rhode Island. So, yeah. <laughs> right. Which I don't think we I don't think we uh, mentioned it before because uh, my intro wasn't as hot as it should be. But uh, so you are you're now on the team here as the, our production manager. Yeah, 
Yeah, which is uh, coming from a theater, it means a totally different thing. But you know, we, right? Yeah. Now, <laughs> so we make products, and I manage the production of those products. It's not quite the same as managing productions, but yeah, right. They're all p words, right? <laughs> Right. All the best words. It's keywords. It, yeah, like it's <laughs> <laughs> keeping that. <laughs> yeah, it's a funny shift from products and shows, uh, and where it becomes production manager versus like. I mean, as a TD, you manage a fair amount of labor and technical problem solving and resourcing goods. But you know, we just you go to manufacturing, you got to change the name. Yeah. Seems yeah. like. <laughs> makes sense still managing the labor and the resources and, and the people but uh as far from shows as possible basically right well yeah i mean i'm not shooting for as far from shows as possible i do love live entertainment but um it's definitely a different creature it's fun to do the uh it's interesting the custom projects as they come through the shop mm-hmm. are both like daunting and annoying and get out of my way i'm trying to make products now <laughs> Uh, but they're also like, oh, this is custom and it's fun and exciting and yeah. it's got the troubleshooting and the you know problem solving that uh, one might miss if they mm-hmm. just worked in a factory doing like every day in and out all day same products. Yeah. So it's a, an exciting mix. I think it feels like it's going to be a pretty good fit. Seems That's pretty great. cool. Yeah. yeah. So then, uh, so you were at Seattle then for fifteen years, and uh, what was some of the coolest stuff you got to work on? I think. Anytime that question comes up, the answer I usually go toward is um, we made a lift. Well, first, mm-hmm. we made a pool. Um, and the pool was about 40 feet wide and five feet upstage, downstage, and four feet deep, like water depth deep. Mm. Um, and in that pool, center stage was a lift so that a character could come out. And she she walked. She sort of came in from the wings and you didn't see. And she would she walked it a level that put her shoulders, it looked like the water was deeper than it was. Mm-hmm. So she came to center stage and she's giving this sort of soliloquy thing. The character was water was the name of the character. Mm-hmm. So she got center stage. And then as she sort of stands up full height, the lift is also going up. So it looks like she's coming like, you know, six feet out of the water or not out of the water, but mm-hmm. you know, lifting six feet. We only had to build a three foot lift, uh, but a lift in a pool under a pair of slip stages was oh. a pretty cool effect. Um, it was, I mean, it, I think it's all, a lot of it comes down to like, what is the most impactful moment that you can do mm-hmm. with effects? And I think that's where it sort of helps the story. Um, the success of the show itself was questionable, but there were definitely some really cool moments. Um, yeah. And that was one of them. A yeah. lift in water. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah. You usually try to avoid that. So bravo yeah. for <laughs> right? making it. Yeah. We explored yeah. that, you know, there's a few different ways. Like some people have done it with, you use hydraulics and then mm. use a fluid that isn't terribly uh, offensive to mix with the water. <laughs> uh, we explored that. We ended up going with, um, we did it with Amsteel coming up over the top of the pool and lifting the platform. So it was actually pretty simple. Oh, okay. It was really just about guiding it. Uh, I think we managed to do it with like very few penetrations through the walls of the swimming pool. Um, it's probably important. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> Leaks are bad. <laughs> yeah, uh, we did have a moment where we had to do some maintenance on the pool, mm-hmm. and uh, it was one of several times that the the pit for that show got exposed to a lot of water because it, <laughs> when we first filled it, we like mm-hmm. ran it for too long. We walked oh. away. We thought we had calculated, you know, the flow of the hose is X gallons a minute, and the pool is this big, and we should be good. 
and somebody wandered off for like an hour while it was flowing. And I think probably 20 minutes of that was just those flowing over the sides <laughs> of the pool down into the trap room. Uh, it had a it had a hole in the bottom in the middle, you know, for water to flow out. It was fine. But then uh, I was, we were doing some repairs in there, and uh, my boss, because I was still the ATD at the time, mm-hmm. uh, my boss Dana Peralt, who um, is a friend of Mike's, I believe, Dana um, was <laughs> in the pool. I think I think he had like swam under the slip stage to do some work on a thing, and uh, and then one of our carpenters was also in the pool, and they decided to just you're in a pool. You got a horse play. So they were swimming back and forth, splashing so much water into the trap room. And I'm down there just trying to keep on top of the mess. And they were, they didn't care that I was trying to. <laughs> that, <laughs> There's a lot of yelling. That doesn't, that doesn't sound like of, Dana at all. Not even a little bit. No. <laughs> yeah. That was a bit of a, yeah, lots of yelling. <laughs> yeah. So but that's probably the most spectacular sort of thing we did. Uh, we've done a lot of the other, you know, sort of like the, the I think one of the other questions that mm-hmm. is on the docket probably is what was the biggest uh, shit show or cluster yeah, that, or whatever. The, the opposite yeah. to that, exactly. Yeah. 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 I find they're rarely the opposite. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and maybe it's because, maybe it's because I like troubleshooting so much or mm-hmm. not, you know, like, like think outside of the box, solve this problem with the resources we have, which will certainly not be enough. Uh-huh. Um, and so all of the shows that had the biggest, coolest things were also the ones that were the you know, hottest mess to manage and navigate. Um, I also don't like leaving any resources on the table, which may have been my downfall as a technical director. It meant that doing tech rehearsal, uh, if I had led the charge up to tech rehearsal and building mm-hmm. the set meant like we're, you're coming in under the wire every single time. Cause mm-hmm. I don't want to waste a penny mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. people just standing around. Like we're, if we have to be on the clock, we should be building something but sadly you're on the clock during tech rehearsal and previews and mm-hmm. so it means stuff's getting delivered too late um which is a, is a terrible life to live as a designer if your technical director is doing that to you I, as uh, <laughs> i don't suggest that other people do it but it is what i did um so you know it the bigger the show the crazier the tech process always is i think that's true regardless mm-hmm. but i made it maybe extra rough um but so that show for example Amazing effects, really under the gun, mm-hmm. um, was sort of rough. And then some of the other ones that we did that were also really um, amazing moments on stage, uh, you know, shows with several lifts through the floor. We did mm-hmm. a show. Um, I never saw the other designs for it, and I think they changed pretty dramatically after we did the premiere. But Pullman Porter Blues um, it takes place on a train car, mm-hmm. or a full train, rather. And you have to sort of represent multiple cars. And we did lifts that came through the ground, um, but it was also – it. We, it was a co-production, so we had to be able to build a show with three lifts that then shipped oh. across the country. So they were sort of built as a modular right. unit that could sit on the floor in the trap room of the theater it was going to, mm-hmm. where it was shorter than our trap room. And then we had it you know, up on jacks on the floor of our trap room. Um, and then you just fill out the deck around it. But mm-hmm. it was you know, sort of three, put it in a truck uh, from floor to ceiling in the truck, filled the whole thing. Yeah. yeah, and that was pretty cool to be able to see multiple lifts coming up out of the floor at the same time. Uh, but that show was, you would, for 15 years that I was at Seattle Rep, constantly if a show was going poorly, we would send each other photos of <laughs> the first moment of tech rehearsal on that show when we had a, a big curved psych that looked like a sheet hung mm-hmm. over 
I don't know, pipe and drape pipes. Or I, it was terrible. It was like, <laughs> it was an embarrassing moment to invite the actors to stage. And it was the, the position we were in because of timelines. And mm-hmm. yeah, that sort of, that sort of shit show is always frustrating to present to people. And maybe one of the, my chunks of technical direction that I rec- that I regret was working on those type of things. Mm. But when, when they bear fruit by opening night, the, the big exciting stuff is yeah. it's always a little it's bit. Worth it. Yeah. It's yeah. It's hard to teach yourself that lesson because you're like, yeah, but look what we did. So mm. great. Get all those endorphins at the end. And you're like, ah, oh, that was, that wasn't so bad. Maybe I'll come back. It's like the, right. the summer stock yeah. effect. Yeah. Damn it. Right. Yeah. It was a funny thing you mentioned about, uh, about the timelines and just like kind of filling. It doesn't matter like what the, uh, show is or whatever the project is. Like, I feel like we fall into the same sort of thing with our custom projects. Like if we get something that's super, super hot and it's got to go out quickly, we, we fill that timeline out of necessity. And then if we have something that's super far away, we almost end up doing the same exact thing. Cause we're like, it just, it just vacuously grows in complexity because you have more time. And then it's just every single time it still ends up feeling about the same at the end where you're just mashing to the end. Cause you just kind of like grow and grow. It's a problem that we, we fight with our, uh, custom projects all the time just like oh yeah if, if, it, if that's so far away we can definitely do it and then we just kind of consistently back everything up to the end because we end up you know spending extra time on design or extra time making it fancy on production yeah it's like a goldfish right glowing to yeah. growing to fill its growing to fill yeah. its tank <clears throat> right the, the, yeah you, more time on the calendar is just more time for feature creep that's exactly even, that's even true though even when we're trying to design our stock products where it's like the the more and more we or as we're waiting for things to come in we have these other ideas and keep wanting to uh implement them and right. i think that's i think that's changing like even just in the time since you've been here you know i think it's it's great to have a production manager like at least in in someone who's like t- wearing that hat of like i'm funneling this work into it as opposed to like the previous like sort of everyone who's a project manager is managing their own little fife them up production. Now it all has to come through at least one person who's looking at all of it and being like, well, this is what we said we we're going to do and we have the time for. And it seems like that seems like we're heading in a better direction maybe. Yeah, I think so. And I, I mean, you know, Gareth and I communicate on like what, how should we try and what should our systems be? Um, and the new approach for the new custom pro- or new stock products uh, seems pretty intriguing with the sprint of design. Yeah. Yeah. sprint yeah. of design like that seems promising on the keeping things on track keeping feature creep under control yeah the so- right. sooner we can get to doing a thing seems to to help of like informing like well how much more do we need to do yeah right it's right. more of a agile method yeah because like last year with all the new products that we rolled out uh, like that we just announced at usatt a bunch of them had the lead times have gotten so crazy that it kind of feels like we can fill the void between like i picked the motor for the spot line and we, it's not going to be here for several months. So do I need to keep designing the winch while I'm waiting for the motor? Like, ah, probably not. Like there's diminishing returns on that investment probably right. after some sh- pretty, you know, a chunk of window until we can like, you know, try a thing or test a thing. But on the flip side, also like the, I don't know, the custom stuff fuels the new product development where we try new kooky stuff or it's, it's a nice yeah. opportunity to bite it off in a, Hey, we're not going to, make a bajillion of these but like let's see if this works and yeah if we like it we can incorporate it and if not we'll never do it again hopefully <laughs> yeah we'll know to say no next time yeah <laughs> at the very least or charge more yeah right. it's a good option in the um 
for-profit world being able right. to charge more for a thing. Yeah. Once once you do it in in, uh, in theater, I imagine then then everyone knows you can do it. Now you got to do it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they don't pay you more to do the thing you already did. No. I had a the um a dear friend and one of my favorite designers had learned early on that I will say yes to things that excite me, particularly if I haven't done them before. Mm-hmm. So he would anytime, and I don't know how I have more faith in his design integrity mm-hmm. uh, than this then this statement sort of makes it sound like, <laughs> but I feel like he would like go out of his way to design things that, well, Brian hasn't done this before. Let's just, <laughs> how about if this, what if the stage, the entire stage with each half of it was an elevator that was connected by a pivoting joint in the center and you could make a ramp up one side or the other side, or it could, the whole thing could lift 40 feet across. He would come up with things like that. And mm-hmm. then I would say yes. And so we did a show, uh, it was a Sherlock Holmes show, and that was that was the thing. Was there was way upstage, forty feet wide, was uh, two uh, two sort of separate articulated. It was uh, it was the best way to describe it in words. It was three lift points and two platforms, so you could either make they could all go up at once, and you had a forty foot wide platform, or half could go up, and you had a twenty foot ramp and a twenty foot platform, or you could send up the middle and have a peak. Um, yeah, it was a really cool, uh, design concept and what we pulled off was pretty neat. Uh, I think we ended up with only, I think one of the three lift towers we could not get by opening. So what we could do was a peak or a ramp to a platform, but I think stage left stayed, no stage right never lifted. So, Mm. uh, but it was a fun challenge and it was the kind of thing that this designer would constantly like, um, give me to solve yeah it's that that i mean that sounds nuts uh (laughs) i'm like still visualizing it like that seems very hard uh good on you for saying yes (laughs) thanks thanks uh it's you know as long as you got the right pivots it's not too shabby the challenge Mm -hmm. the biggest challenge is that um you know as something becomes a ramp it also wants to get the uh becomes the angle of the, the, uh, the where there right. are words that aren't coming to me the triangle right the diagonal of the triangle there's the thing with the geometry and stuff oh, the and lifting just, component yep, yep. so you end up with a gap <clears throat> is the problem in the floor <laughs> over at one end of the thing yeah and the and the towers need to pivot like they need to they needed to be able to uh tip to allow that or the piece right. would need to slide on a fixed thing Ah, uh, gotcha. <laughs> I started jumping down, like, you know, like scissors with like moving rollers and things. I'm like, ah, oh, that sounds tough. Yeah, I don't, yeah that sounds cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, what do we, the center. So we ended up with a fixed lift in the center so it could not move side to side. And then on the out at the ends, mm-hmm. we did. Um, I mean, it's basically if you had, if we had uh, good positional control, like if we had a stagehand hydraulic uh, available mm-hmm. from Creative Connors. Uh, if we had those and some long hydraulic cylinders, we could have just driven the offstage ends with that. And they would, you know, if they're rigidly or if they're attached to the pivot at the ground, then they can just mm-hmm. sort of, they just shift side to side as necessary to make mm-hmm. the, to allow the length and position of things to change. But we basically had to build five horsepower linear actuators um, that mm-hmm. sort of did that. Turning turning uh, AC gear motors into hydraulic actuators is... It's a trick we're yeah. familiar with. And yeah. It's it's more expensive than the hydraulics for sure. Right. But yeah. you're so much less likely to take a bath in hydraulic oil that way. 
True. Right. Yeah. Coward. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the fun in that? Yeah. I, I think I had a very similar story to Ben Clark, who was pro hydraulic, and I was like, I, I'd rather not. I'd rather not. <laughs> yeah. We had uh, permanent hydraulic plumbing uh, down the center of the stage in Seattle Rep, and the, it went to a quick connect downstage. So at some point, we're troubleshooting a, a hydraulic system, and I had unplugged the hose. We're doing all this stuff, and we're like, we'll flip the lever on the, the release valve over there and see if you can change the pressure and blah, 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 do all these things. And at some point, the hydraulic pressure got reapplied to the quick connect that had not reseated its check valve. Oh, uh, and no. it was 12 feet above my head was a, you know, like three quarter inch quick connect fitting uh, that had just turned into a hydraulic oil fire sprinkler. Oh, uh, no. That was, my hair oh. was unhappy with it. Uh, oh. My skin was unhappy with it. It was bad. It was bad. Yeah. That's another moment that Dana Peralt was involved in, and I'm sure he'd be mm. happy was, to retell the story. Was he the chaos monkey who didn't reseed it? No, it was you know like the quick connect that sh- the, like the ball inside the quick connect should just, just reseed itself, it just, right? Yeah. Like, uh-huh. But and I think maybe because we didn't have we had probably released pressure to the line, so right. it didn't have as much encouragement. The spring mm-hmm. should do it, but if the pressure was there, it probably would have closed. I don't know. It was bad. It was you know mm-hmm. soft goods, all sorts of things that you store in trap rooms because they're not really they're never just left empty and clear. No way. <laughs> that's that's good space. Yeah, yeah. So that was all very, very oily. <laughs> and so was I. Sounds terrible. It was, yeah. <laughs> I was on site for uh, like a gig uh, m- many years ago, uh, pre-Creative Connors on site uh, at a theater in New York and was like the shop rep for a show that went in that had some hydraulics. And, you know, you're not, you're supposed to be very hands-off and not touch anything and like instruct and not be, you know, taking a uh a stagehands job by doing anything uh and so it was a bunch of hydraulics and every time we'd come to like a qd like thing like well this has to get hooked up and i'm like it doesn't happen often but <laughs> like it should just mate fine and it should not be a big deal <laughs> but when it's not fine it's a big fucking problem it had to be like can i just do it because if not it's gonna be very <laughs> sad if something goes wrong for both of us because you'll be covered in oil and then i'll look like the asshole that told you how to do it wrong <laughs> and almost every time they're like like did like a little look around i think i was like maybe 22 at the time too i was pretty young so i'm like talking to some older stagehand fellows like hey uh can I just do it? And and we just won't have to tell anybody. Like, <laughs> they do like a little look left, look right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that, that, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, Cause it's like, if we just start fucking spraying hydraulic fluid everywhere, everyone is going to be so fucking sad. Yeah. And you know, some folks, some guys would go like, ah, they, they never mess up. And so then when you hear stories where, ah, the ball didn't reseat and it rained hydraulic fluid, <laughs> it fucking happens. <laughs> yeah, it does. They're cool. Hydraulics are cool when they work. <laughs> yeah, they are. They're better than pneumatics. pneumatics oh, are for sure. Pneumatics yeah, don't make a mess, but they also don't do anything well. You spill your air everywhere. No one's about it. But when nothing moves at the same time as the rest of the things. Or you disconnect your lift in the up position. <laughs> mm. <laughs> That's also a fun day. Yeah. 
I believe it's referred to as returning to its maintenance position. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, overall, though, so like we've heard some cool effects and some that uh, some sad stories there, but kind of overall, though, like what what do you think good automation looks like? I think that good automation um, really has to like I really enjoy a great spectacle, Mm -hmm. but if it is if it takes you out of the moment then it can be problematic, right? Um, and I come from a world of theater where mm-hmm. it's a little more delicate. It's easier to break the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in, you know, big flashy things, rock and roll, any sort of musical, like even even musical musicals, mm-hmm. like it's they're less susceptible to that problem. But in a non-musical, um, it really has to help tell the story. It just has to sort of feel natural. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do like it as a person who enjoys spectacle and like this is a really narrow field where you got to land. Don't take me out of the moment, Mm -hmm. but also sort of build some excitement in me. It's almost Mm -hmm. like the music under, you know, the score under a film where it can Mm -hmm. build, like if you hear it by itself, it's a pretty dramatic thing. Right. But when, when it happens with the story, you don't notice how dramatic the music is. Mm-hmm. It just contributes to the overall feeling of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, when automation can pull that off, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Um, because I like spectacle and because you can get away with it a little more in musicals. It's also cool when just an effect is like, how the hell did that, what did they just do? Where did the, how, you know, um, Shrek, the musical has, uh, it, I don't know if it, if the design, it's the same now. I think it may only exist on tour. I don't know what the state of that is, but it soft opened the Broadway version mm-hmm. in Seattle. Oh. And we helped build, we built a little bit of scenery for it, but we um, also spent some time, like when we would go to deliver the scenery that we were building, we would see the rest of the production that was being assembled. And they had, the, it's a sort of like triple nested turntable mm. um, that the, the, the turntables are offset, so it's basically one is you know a twenty foot uh, diameter. Mm-hmm. It's probably more like thirty. So so say there's a thirty five foot diameter, and I just wanted to make my math hard. So I said uh-huh. 30, 40 foot <laughs> diameter turntable. <laughs> there's a forty foot diameter turntable, and then on it between the center and twelve o'clock mm-hmm. is a twenty foot diameter turntable, and then on that between its center and its twelve o'clock is a ten foot diameter turntable. And if you cue it right, that 10-foot diameter turntable can walk straight downstage. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it is a really crazy moment that if you're like geeky, nerdy automation, like I'm watching how all these things are happening and you see, you, you're is there a track on that turntable? What is happening? And you sort of process and you mm-hmm. see the, and you try and figure out the math and it's, that sort of thing is amazing. Um, and if it's happening in the middle of a, big musical number about getting kicked out of your swamp. It's not too, it's not too problematic. (laughs) Um, If it were to happen, like, you know, as you're watching the lead character who's aged and everyone loves them is gathered around and they're dying. And, you know, all of a sudden you're like, what's happening with the automation on stage? That's less good. (laughs) Takes you out of the moment. Yeah. It's less good. But for musicals, rock shows, things like that, crazy, like how the hell um, is pretty amazing. There was a, there was a video floating around on Instagram recently um, of a turntable where there's these two characters on it. And I think it may just be an arts installation. I don't 
I feel bad for not knowing the details of it and then talking about it, but uh, it's it's as if this couple is sort of meeting and falling in love or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, but they're using the centripetal force of the turntable spinning and they lean way in and they get all these, it's a bit of a dance thing, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, using automation to, to create a thing that you couldn't do without it is mm-hmm. sort of like the, what makes great automation for me. If it's, if you're just repeating, you know, you bring a wagon on stage, off stage, on stage, off stage for all of the shows that are written these days to compete with TV, mm-hmm. where it's a 20 second scene followed by a 20 second scene. And the only way the designer can figure to solve that mm-hmm. is to, well, we'll bring the wagon that's the living room and then we'll put it away and then we'll bring the wagon that's the kitchen and then we'll put it away. And it just back and forth. Mm-hmm. It sort of doesn't do anything for the show. It's just a cheap, it's not even cheap, cheap in a, a like to an cheap in the dismissive. That's a garbage kind of thing. Uh-huh. Right. Like that's not the way to tell that story creatively. That's the way to get done what the script says. Mm-hmm. Right. That's not great. That doesn't seem worth worth the investment. But when you can make the people like you just fulfill the story better, like I said, with the like a um, a musical score, mm-hmm. um, that seems like that's the best type of automation. I think it's also one of the things that's going to be. There's a question coming up at some point, but I'm just going to segue into it about uh, what's it. the next, you know, like what's the next ten years of yeah. of entertainment or automation mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, I think that a big part of that is trying to differentiate live entertainment from screens. Uh, everybody's mm-hmm. screens and their televisions in their in their houses are getting bigger. Yep. Right. People have eighty inch amazing televisions in their living room mm-hmm. theater used to compete with no television in your television in your living room, right? Like mm-hmm. came from people telling stories in a public square or whatever. And then all of a sudden TV came into your house and we're competing. And I don't think they need to compete. They just need to be separate products. So you need to figure out how to make live entertainment its own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the sort of melding of a lot of the, Technologies, getting video tied to automation, tied to sound, tied to lighting, all of these things, when they work together, can make a product that you just can't replicate in home. Right. Uh, cinema's been competing forever, right? IMAX is a result of trying to make a bigger screen so that people come home and or don't, mm-hmm. don't just stay at home and watch right. it. Uh, Cinemascope, all the different aspect ratios of film. Like that, a lot of that is so that you can't get the same experience in your house. Mm-hmm. And I think the same thing can happen in live entertainment. It's also, I mean, you have a connection to the to the actors, you have a connection to the musicians, whatever type of live entertainment you go to see. Um, but people really sort of, I think, are drawn to spectacle. And if you can make a version of it that is just not achievable somewhere else, a, a thing that you can't figure out a way to see in your home and you have to go out to see it and you have to tell your friends to go out to see it, I think mm-hmm. that's, hopefully that's the future of live entertainment and the automation that supports it. Um, I think also safety stuff, but that's a lot less exciting. Right? Like it's, you know, but vastly more important, right? Probably vastly right. more important. That's like more nuts it. and bolts of our day to day. And not the whole <laughs> part of our day to day that we get yeah. to be excited about. Yeah. But yeah. no, no, but seriously, how to do the things that you were just saying, but in a way that isn't compromising its safety at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually, yeah. It's the, it's the, it's the place where those two over thing, those two things overlap is mm-hmm. the important spot to get to. Um, right. I talked earlier about trying to form formulate a plan for an upgrade mm-hmm. at Seattle Rep for all of the the equipment, and that's you know I think regional theaters, mm-hmm. all the theaters around the country, for the longest time, there's a version of a stage winch that's been getting built. That's right, like yep. it 
It doesn't have redundant braking. It doesn't have all these things. And people used it for floor tracks. And they were like, well, I bet we could lift stuff with it. And there's there aren't the safety features that should be there. Mm-hmm. But people were making it work. Mm-hmm. And then I think, you know, all of the different standards have come to light. People see that it's actually very important. It's not, you know, you see an accident happen even when people are being safe. Like, you, can, you know, right. video screens fall down on people. It's terrible. So to take the extra steps is worth it. And that was part of the pitch. Like, in addition to getting me new gear, like there's, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I can use this to get new gear. But it's actually very important to try and figure out how to get as many safety features as you can reasonably into your space. Um, and I think that a lot of the new, you know, commercially produced equipment is is important. Like it has mm-hmm. those features. Yeah. Right. And not cutting corners and making sure that the control schema makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. you know, not running motors at DMX. <laughs> not that that's a thing. People do. Well, people do it. Oh, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's such a, it's such an interesting uh, thing. Cause I feel like some folks that, you know, we've, we've talked to over the years, you know, when they compare, say our system to like some of the bigger highest ends levels of uh scenic automation like you know giant rock and roll shows or the big search shows or you know whatever mm-hmm. like there's sometimes some false equivalence equivalencies of like well you guys deliver x amount of product without any you know safety or whatever when you're comparing it to like a fully you know took two years to install it permanent install sort of version of some control system Mm-hmm. versus like we can all agree that what you're doing is fantastic it is amazing how insane those some some of those facilities are but you're like we're not really competing against those folks we're competing of like how can we give you a controller that has proper hoisting capability and here's a machine and a control system so like you don't just turn your deck winch 90 and start raising like lifting stuff right right like that is the that is the need from the from a lot of the folks out in the field actually doing the stuff and we're trying to like bring everything down to be as uh reasonably uh right like get that into people's hands and not make it so egregiously hard to set up or expensive to right prohibit providing those safety features it. easily yeah, yeah. Right. without sacrificing the flexibility yeah. right because right. the right you see circ and you watch their you know overhead rotating turntable tracking system above the water at O. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's amazing, but it's a permanent install. It's got, you know, all of the inspections and all of the things that come with that. And a regional theater or even smaller institutions Mm -hmm. are definitely not going to have the resources to put all of that there, right? So they're going to grab their little five-horse motor that they put into a cage that's got a drum, Mm -hmm. And well, five horse motor, that's 500 and some pounds a second, blah, blah, blah. And we do the thing and we just do quick math. And now all of a sudden we're lifting things over people's heads, but there's no break and there's no, you know, it's like, right. it's the ability to, to keep that flexibility, to grab the thing you have sitting there and go do it without a permanent install, um, to have it off the shelf and just sitting ready to go down in your trap room in your inventory, mm-hmm. uh, is pretty valuable. Right. Um, and that's like that, you know, I came from a place of, the number of uh, stage lifts or even overhead winching systems that we came up with that were using gear that doesn't have those safety equipment. Uh, I don't think it's atypical, but it's, it's a great thing to try and figure out how to not have as many out there. Right. And I think that that's been one of the exciting things watching the progression of, 
um, the industry is that more and more safe versions are becoming available and they're not dramatically more expensive than the quick and dirty version. Um, they're definitely not expensive enough to make it worth risking Mm-hmm. all the things that right. you risk yeah. right? Mm-hmm. by using a deck winch to lift a thing. or by And hopefully like pretty yeah. soon you just get, you know, you have that stock of winches and now it's a stock of, honest to God, hoists that you can just deploy as you need show by show and it's not a big onerous task to have all those safety features. They're just baked in. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, that was, uh, I mean, it's a retired product now, but the Spotline Mini, the previous iteration, there may be one on the horizon. Uh <laughs> Was rated. It's coming. <laughs> was rated for soon. You know, whatever its lifting capacity was at a fairly non-exciting speed, mm-hmm. um, but knowing that you were doing it safely made it worth had it. value. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. And and now watching the things evolve. Right. The Spotline V2 that was released with mm-hmm. the crazy increase in lifting capacity and still high speed and all of the things for like, it's great to see that doing it makes it easier to do right right? so the product Mm -hmm. came out and now the product can evolve and get better and it's still safe and it's faster and it's achievable and it's uh, accessible um yeah all of that i think is an important chunk of the future of automation (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah we're all about it sales pitch for creative (laughs) Commons. yeah when your guest is the newest employee right yeah i hope this isn't just Read as us <laughs> getting me all jazzed. Tell us up. why we're yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, I was trying to think of the uh, less offensive way to say uh, <laughs> we're all giving each other pats on the back. That's what I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah. Was, did you just have to do it with a circle? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. yeah, in a particular kind of motion. Uh, <laughs> Cody, what you do with the QD fittings in the trap room is your own business. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's just exciting. I mean, it's it's a it's a it's an exciting time to be working here. We're like revisiting old products and trying to bring them forward, and then we're also designing new products all kind of at once and just like continually elevating and continue to like push with without um, sacrificing the like price point and the availability and the you know accessibility. Yeah, um, which is all just what gets us all uh, hot and bothered. Uh, <laughs> and recognizing when a thing doesn't do all of that and retiring it. Like, right. Yeah. We right, do, that was I a mean, I big part. St- I think we still have some Spotline Practicals in stock. But <laughs> I, I think we I just moved it out of the <laughs> way yeah. to I thought, set up for the podcast. I thought we got rid of them all, and then we were yeah. proven wrong earlier. Yeah. 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 Um, oh, that was one thing that I didn't bring up uh, during... Um, we were talking about your background. So you were, uh, Brian, you were in Seattle area, then briefly four years in Sacramento, then back to Seattle area. And so the jump from Seattle, I mean, it's a, this is by far the biggest jump that you'll have <laughs> being made uh, regionally. Yeah. How, how are you feeling about that? That's true. It is the biggest distance that I will have moved. Um, moving when you've lived in a house for 15 years is a terrible idea. I don't suggest it to anybody. Uh, real estate transactions in general, I don't suggest to anybody. But um, I actually, everyone's sort of like, oh my gosh, it's going to be so different out in Rhode Island was like fish and clam chowder and like it's rural, but not. And 
every every single thing they describe as a difference between Seattle and Rhode Island, I'm like, have you been to both places? Mm. Because Seattle is a fish town. Like we right. we do seafood, and mm-hmm. Seattle has hiking, and Seattle has green, and Seattle like our leaves don't change as magnificently as they do out here. Um, so I'm looking forward to some of the amazing sort of New England attributes. Um, right. But a lot of this stuff feels very similar. Rhode Island, uh, my exposure to it so far has felt very similar to sort of the vibe that you get in Seattle and Portland. I always say that Portland is like Seattle, but more. And um, that's and not I think a Rhode Portland Island Maine is like when you're saying right. Yeah, yeah sorry, gotta, wrong, wrong coast. Now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I learned that ages ago with Stephen King that anytime he's talking about <laughs> Portland, it's probably not the one I'm familiar with. Um, yeah, but it's sort of the it's a very similar vibe. There's this sort of same level of hipster, um, same. I saw on Reddit a follow because I'm getting ready to move. I'm in both mm-hmm. the Seattle and Rhode Island and Providence subreddits, mm-hmm. and there will be posts and the number of them that I see people post to both different people, obviously, ah. but like here's this picture of a really industrial looking stool and all of these things that are like, which hamburger joint charging too much for hamburgers uh, with a metal <laughs> stool that you sit on. And I'm like, I can't tell which subreddit. I don't know. I mean, is it the same? Uh, so it, it, it is the most miles I've ever moved, but it feels very similar. Right. Um, I think, I think it'll be a good fit. I think I like a lot of the similarities. Uh, we're excited to get away from a little bit of the, I say big city, but it's Seattle, which is compared to Rhode Island, maybe, but compared mm-hmm. to, you know, New York or LA laughable. Um, like all of that stuff is sort of exciting to find this little, you know, Warren, Rhode Island in mm-hmm. particular is this tiny little thing. It's got, there's a blurb that they use to advertise Warren that is the smallest city in the smallest County and the smallest state in the yeah. union. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm so pedantic that I like to point out that it doesn't actually like mean it's the smallest city in the union. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna get um, along so good yeah i think uh, i'll fit with several of the people here if you work on that but, accent uh, you'll fit right in uh, yeah so um you know they point all that stuff out and it's, it's a cute little town and it's great and i think uh it should be great we got kids to raise it's nice to raise them somewhere like this i think it'll be exciting i keep grabbing the wrong beer you're welcome to mine if you want <laughs> no yeah. what's wrong with your beer i don't know being friendly <laughs> the New England way. Hi, neighbor. It does seem to be Hi, the New neighbor. England way. That's not true. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> you haven't, so Seattle is known GK. for the Seattle Freeze, uh-huh. which is, um, there's also, there's uh, people describe like New Yorkers are kind but not friendly. Mm. I think that's the phrasing. And Seattle people are friendly but not kind, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that is, it, it has rung true with every experience that I've had in those two cities, like mm-hmm. Seattle people will like smile at you, but not help you with your flat tire. And a New Yorker will like change your tire for you, but then come yell at you, the tell you how stupid offensively you are. Offensively at, <laughs> at how much of an idiot yeah. you are for not being able to change it. Yeah. Um, and in Rhode Island, we have discovered that like we will sit down in a restaurant and the person next to us is super happy to talk about like, Oh, you're going to be so happy here. It's great. It's blah, 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 blah. Uh-huh. It's super friendly and super engaging. Um, and it's it's been a really welcome situation because we're like, I, I'm going to move out here and I'm going to only have my coworkers. <laughs> like, I'm not going to know anybody. Yeah. Uh, and it feels like everybody's pretty great. So we'll see. 
Except yeah, Mike's coming. They don't so. seem so great. Yeah, yeah no, yeah, Mike. Yeah. I know Mike's moving <laughs> down too. He's in New York for a little bit longer. Yeah, so. I got in le- like at least till August, till yeah. I got that guy to work with. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. I'll haunt your dreams until then. <clears throat> he heard. He heard I might be moving to Brooklyn, and he said, "Fuck it, I got to get out of here. coming. <laughs> we got to get to Rhode Island. It's finally time." I thought there was the fact that you weren't going to be tied to New York anymore. We were going to try and drag you up here, and everybody, everybody would be local. You know, we'll see. No one's no one's on that campaign yet. How <laughs> non-committal. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. There was like a probably about five six months ago, we were chatting at the shop, and I was like, "Yeah, I mean, Garrett's never asked me to move to Rhode Island," and he's like, I "Oh, haven't. I was there for that." Yeah. And I was like, "No, you've never asked me," and he was like, "Oh, I'll, I'll start doing that." <laughs> I thought I was like saying it in a way that like I respected it because he's like never asked me to do it and he's like oh wait what oh yeah, yeah, yeah I'll just I'll send an option it. can I yeah. ask I'll ask if I can ask but anyway Brian uh so tangent to what you were just talking about is you got a four post lift yeah how do you name those four corners so there is a wrong answer I'm sure there is it will probably be one of the answers I give <laughs> This is a shortcoming of mine, but maybe also a strength. I'm not sure. I pride myself on being able to see multiple sides of the same argument. So, win a lift. Feels it, like you're trying to uh, get out of this question. Maybe. Uh, with that kind of an answer. You don't know. Maybe. Win a lift is in the shop that's building it, but has nothing to do with the stage that it's being used on. Mm-hmm. It seems very necessary to just give it some numbers to each tower or whatever. Okay. So, you know. But. I appreciate the, the clock though? system. Okay. Not okay. this you, like zigzag. stage lat. Yeah, zigzag is mumbo jumbo. Uh, good, so good. clock, right? One, two, three, four. But in a in a circular pattern, not ziggy zaggy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I think it's important once you arrive at the venue mm-hmm. to embrace whatever the directions of that venue are. So if you've got a, if you're in an arena where they often use polar coordinates. North, south, east, west, northeast, southwest, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Divided up among the directions on a compass. If you're in a more like a proscenium space, upstage right, upstage left, downstage left, upstage right, down, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you get the things. <laughs> so I, I, I subscribe to a two-fold version where one is okay, when the, the lift so, is. So, but then what do you do when you, you're teching it in your space? Like not the, not not the theater you're gonna perform in. Yeah. Then how do you translate between those two? Yeah. Then I'm what? Sure. I don't know. I I will say this. I, think I have you worked the names in Spike Mark. Maybe <laughs> you can do that in Spike Mark. <laughs> it's true you can. I have worked in a regional theater where we received a show that had been performed in another theater, where it mm-hmm. was in the round, and all of the visiting designers insisted that we continue using the. Um, I want to say polar, but I feel like that's not the right word. We get what you mean. The, yeah, right. Like the cardinal on a compass. The cardinal. That's the one. The cardinal directions from the previous venues. pound sand. Jesus. <laughs> so this is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is ridiculous. We converted our proscenium theater into a uh, sort of an arena space, right? Mm-hmm. But they continued to refer to what was physically west in our theater 
as East because oh, no. that's where it was when the show was done in New York. And so they'd be like, okay, so she comes in from East Entrance 1. And we're like, yeah, but by that you mean like West Entrance 2? And like, <laughs> <laughs> it was so ridiculous. But that but is a very New York approach. It, right, yeah. Ours is the correct way. We're on the Jesus. right coast and we don't mean right hand. Yeah, they just mean right as incorrect. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, so I, I think there's a value to having multiple views of it. Ultimately, when the thing is getting used in a show, it's the stuff that's valuable to the venue. So right. that I would, and maybe even to the extent that if I knew it were shipping to a theater mm-hmm. in Chicago and I had any idea of their show's orientation, mm-hmm. I might start calling it by those names in the shop. Even in your point. venue, you even, call it what they were going to do. Well, if your venue is a old rubber factory in Warren, then I don't think... <laughs> I don't <laughs> think my numbering system is correct. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. If you made, yeah, if you made the rubber for nylons a hundred <laughs> years ago, sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, but that's I my that, way of weaseling out of it is yeah, that yeah. I like to see both sides of the equation. <laughs> but I think the important thing, though, is like you were on board with uh, fuck zigzag. Oh, zigzag clockwise. is terrible. Yeah, I don't even remember. And like I said, I've heard both. I've heard all the podcasts at least twice. I don't remember <laughs> who went with zigzag, but they're wrong. Several. There were several people. We don't several need to name people. Yeah, there were several people. Like I think if you're in the naming it by numbers, wrong. you go by mm-hmm. clock. And also yeah. the folks that went clock and said, but counterclockwise. What? Who hurt oh. you? Uh, that's probably yeah. That's worse than yeah. zigzag. <laughs> yeah, I think that's worse than zigzag. But who would yes. did people say? Somebody really said counterclockwise. Yeah. Yeah, I could listen back, yeah. but did they have good. a justification? Because that's the other thing is like no. I can sort of support somebody if they have a good justification, but but yeah. there's no good justification. No, they just no. I don't think there is. So. I think yeah, I believe you. Even if they had one, it's not a good yeah. one, right? It's, yeah, it's not the right one. <laughs> but my morbid curiosity wants to know what it was. The honestly, I think thing... the most unique one was the the map one. Map. Did we ever talk about it on the podcast? I think so. We... Way, oh, way, way back. No. Yeah, Yeah. Way, way, way back. When we, I guess it's not that far back. Uh, <laughs> way, way, way back. <laughs> a two couple years. months ago. Episode 50. Not even two years ago. Uh, <laughs> when we originally did it, the the four post chain lift for Steppenwolf. Steppenwolf, correct. Yeah. Yep. Um, oh, that's funny. I thought it was. Yeah, that makes sense. We asked the Chicago. question, how do you name them? And somebody actually wrote in. You know, we will often say and write into podcast at Creative Connors yeah. with your uh, response. And, and somebody actually did. Because usually it's just a void. That... It's usually just a void. <laughs> uh, this person wrote in. I forget who it was. Sorry. I'm sure you're listening now. Sorry. It was you. You know. Um, but it was they by the It was the, the guy from Wooly Mammoth. Uh, Is that who it was? Yeah. But I forget his name. Alex? Mammoth. That's Alaska. That's crazy. <laughs> isn't it? I think that's where Wally Mammoth is, isn't it? I think it's in I DC. I mean, no, you're right. Yep, sorry. I had a, I, not the, I had a not colleague. The I'll call him a colleague. Uh, the managing director at Seattle Rep <laughs> had worked in Alaska and at Wally Mammoth, and then he came to Seattle Rep. Uh, so I thought you were talking them, about fossilized animals. No, yeah. then I get confused <laughs> because <laughs> it was the history of a person that I, all of the things grouped together. Wooly Mammoth, is that from Pangea? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's the one with the tusks, right? Yeah. <laughs> I heard they made a meatball out of them recently. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was big that news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except you can't eat it because it might kill you. <laughs> 
Wow, what a departure. Uh, yes, <laughs> but uh, naming them they, by states. Yes, their map naming. Oh yeah, 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 but yeah, and then you have to know the geography. What was it like? Was it like Maine, Florida? Washington. It wasn't. It wasn't even that simple. It was like the Midwest. It was like the <laughs> it wasn't the corners. The corner. It was yeah, like yeah. an inscribed square and where yeah. it would land randomly oh, yes. on states. <laughs> yeah, I like that's the idea tough. Like out west. Yeah, I said earlier I'm terrible at geography. That system is not right. <laughs> that point shit. square on the on the geometric center yeah. of the U.S. Obviously, yeah. Right. I don't if you've think got Arizona high geography teachers. Colorado, me at this Utah. point. Oh yeah, that's actually a good one. Is to do the four corner states. Yeah, good if, one I mean, is a stretch. If, if good one is a stretch. If you were yeah. in the south, if you were like in yeah. the southwest at a, on a theater on the border of those four states, <laughs> sure. Yeah, the funny. Okay, the thing about the zigzag that doesn't make sense is until you go upstage left, downstage left, downstage or up. Oh god, I fucked it up already. Uh, if you go, yeah. if you go <laughs> downstage left, downstage right, then upstage left, upstage right. If you assign mm. numbers, axis numbers to those axes, that's one downstage left, two downstage right, three upstage left, four upstage right, and that is a zigzag. Oh, this turn that's wrong, though. That's so wrong. It should be one, two. But if, everybody starts. If, if you were gonna from that's left, the right, longest. That's the wrongest zigzag there is. At least start upstage so the way you're looking at the ground plan, oh, the top left that. corner is one. Mm. You got to start. And you got to start the proscenium and count up. And then three right? and then four. I mean, no, at no, least no, no, no. there's the argument that we read left to right, line to line. You start at the top yeah, left corner. Line sets but start at the proscenium it's and not go a good north enough. up. Right? This is true. I said north. But line Fuck. sets are for people who pull ropes, not for automation. But what if those are <laughs> wire rope winches? Anyways, that's yeah. No, I don't buy it. There's a lot of fucked up ways to do it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of wrong ways to do it, and then there's either. Then there's the right way, which is. But you wouldn't go. You one, wouldn't two, go. Three, four. You wouldn't go downstage left. Downstage right. No, I would never. Upstage right. Upstage left, right? Because that would be. Oh, no, absolutely. No, that is counterclockwise. And starting in the wrong spot. That's, no, that's, that's clockwise. a different idea. That's clockwise. No, downstage left. You said downstage left, downstage right. Oh, yeah. Didn't I you? fucked that up. I thought I... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that counterclockwise. Right that is counterclockwise. That's counterclockwise and starting in the wrong corner. Yeah. Wait, which corner is the right corner to start in? Downstage <laughs> left, downstage right? Top left. Downstage left. Top left. Upstage left. No. Oh, Ooh, yeah. yeah upstage left. Upstage left. Oh. I start down usually. Yeah, you oh, no, down. No, you're down. Your your line down, set. Not what's, up. what's your no. downstage? Mo- what's your number one line set? Where is that? Oh, located? that's interesting. You know, you're that's right. That's what yeah. I just said. Well, yes. I I kind of so yes, I kind of don't care about the line sets, but also track <laughs> one. If we're in if we're in automation world, did Seattle Rep have lines? We uh, did. We had sixty five of them, and one was downstage. Okay. So yeah, you're right there, <laughs> yeah. but they were seldom automated. So <laughs> you could ignore them. Yeah. Uh, but, I ignore them because I don't respect them. Well, but here's the thing. <laughs> Aligning to the same crazy schedule is that track one would have been the downstage track. Right. Right. So yeah. by left. that, oh, that's weird. Downstage I don't like it at all. If you have to. I hate it all. <laughs> I see, the only right solution is figure out where it's going to be on stage wait, and wait, call wait, wait. one 
upstage well, the, the, right, the plus side is you downstage don't work in, left. In a theater anymore, it doesn't so matter. Do <laughs> yeah, now I can refer to them as like office left, office right. <laughs> Parking lot left, parking lot right. Is, is that an answer? So we've got, we have. Which parking lot are you speaking? Bathroom, conference closet. Yeah, conference okay. closet. You got it? Yeah. Conference closet. Yeah. Um, Lunch room. Coffee station. Yeah. A fantastic And uh, loading dock. R- rentals. Rentals. Or something. Rentals. 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 Yeah, that's yeah. the right direction. Mm. <laughs> I think those are the winners. Because whatever that was is counterclockwise, what you just went in was counterclockwise. <laughs> well, I don't so care what wrong. order, but counterclockwise is is the order you name them wrong. in as important as important as the location of them. Like I don't care what you order you call them, them out. off counterclockwise. Though that's so that's, that's how that's you're how thinking. I was th- and counterclockwise okay. is wrong. I just want to go back to the fact that my answer is wrong. It was yeah. downstage left, but it works downstage right, and that is definitely thank you for participating in Christian's gotcha segment. Yeah, I no I so. I have been a little bit personally offended that since I arrived mm-hmm. on staff here at Creative Connors, nobody had asked me how I would name the towers. <laughs> we were just holding we were out waiting. for well, this we moment. Until yeah. we were recording it. Yeah. I, so I was, I was a little bit offended that nobody had asked me. And yeah, now just, I've been asked. We just wanted to like give you a beer and ask you on the podcast. That's all it was about. Well, well here's the thing. Yeah, I was, record it, so, yeah, it was two yeah. beers before I answered. So mm-hmm. I can't be held accountable. Yeah. That's why the best stuff comes from after the couple beers in. You hit me up the top. I've had one sip of a beer. You're like, do the intro. That's tough. It's tough. Right. I'm gonna, this is inside that's why baseball. You're, but that's why your uh, sausage is being made. Outro, outro. That's why your outro is better. I was about to say, I was about to say that we, now that you've said that sort of thing, mm-hmm. we're going to hold you to a really good outro. <laughs> First try. Because you've lost your excuse. You just gave your excuse away. Exactly. No, by by the end I'm drunk. I'm saying the middle is the sweet spot. <laughs> if I could give the outro right about 45 Five minutes, minutes in, in. <laughs> there's that sweet spot, two to six yeah. beers, and then you lose the words. <laughs> so you said that you listened to the last. Oh God, I can't. <laughs> I tried to get us back on track. Uh, yeah. You had mentioned in base camp that you had listened to the tool episode I did uh i think it was the last one and uh have you either followed up on any of those purchases or if you and if you have are you in any camp of weira versus weha or are you still in the discovery phase yeah discovery phase for mm-hmm. sure um i made notes ahead of time it's not apparent but i made notes ahead of time of the things that i thought we would talk about and that i what, what my responses were and my comment here was that i was ready to be steered by my newfound coworkers, um, and I don't know which camp I'm in. I have watched a couple of like YouTube videos that are clearly fanboys of, um, and I don't remember which one's which because they it's intentional, right? That their names Weira. are different. This one's the German one. and Weira. almost the same. Also German, <laughs> also German. Are they both German? Yeah. But I, I got know. the impression that one was like copying the other. Anyhow. Mm. Uh, I watch YouTube videos. They all seem like sexy tools, whichever ones they are. They definitely seem to be better than uh, or more innovative than, say, Craftsman or Husky mm-hmm. or the sort of like layman's tools in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, Snap-on and Mac, to me, feel like, oh, they came to me in a truck. I will pay more money. Um, and then these feel like I can order them online and they will be good. And I don't know which one I like, Mm -hmm. but um, 
I have often discounted Snap-on because I had a friend who had a very expensive Snap-on wrench mm-hmm. and it broke. And the solution when the Snap-on truck revisited him a week later was mm-hmm. to hand them the wrench and wait until Snap-on repaired that wrench. And my thought had always been for five times less money, I could go to Craftsman and I would just hand them the wrench and they would give me a new wrench and I would come back. <laughs> and that seemed like a better deal. Uh, and I don't know which way Huira and um, Weha work. But uh, if it's just a swap, that seems better. And it seems like Weira and Weha are down with the ergonomics, which Craftsman and uh, Husky and everybody else has sort of abandoned, right? They're not trying to make the new product better. Mm-hmm. But these, if if it's one of them making it better and the other one copying it, that's fine. As long as they're making it better, which is exciting to me, I like better tools in sexy little compartmentalized travel packages like that little yeah. tool check. Yeah, tool yeah, check. tool check. That's the one. Yeah. Which brand makes that? Weira. That's the one whose videos I watched, and that's the yeah. one that seems very exciting. And also related to something you mentioned the other day of our increasingly soft management hands oh, as right. you sit by a keyboard all day. Yeah. You'll really like the ergonomics of that yeah. as you yeah. when, when you do occasionally turn a wrench, you'll be like, oh, this doesn't hurt my fingies. Yeah, desk job hands are a real thing. There's a question yeah. on here that we skipped, which is advice to people in the industry that want to like, I want to be a technician. Give I wanna yeah. I wanna be a theater person that makes magic happen. Uh use your hands continuously, even if you end up in management, because at some point if you end up in management, your hands are gonna turn to dainty little flowers that just break the second you touch a wrench. And that's sad. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me sad that I can't do any physical work anymore. <laughs> I've been a desk jockey for 15 years, and it's more fun to keep your hands on the automation. Mm-hmm. So just keep. But not too in the automation. Physically like making. Appropriate amount <laughs> right. of the automation. You have to find the balance Some between physically yes. making the magic happen and not taking hydraulic oil showers. That's Watch out the for thing. pinch points. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Pinch points, hydraulic oil, Delicate dangerous. Balance. Magic happening, good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. My ego took a pretty big hit uh, when I came up to the shop. Like every time I come up to the shop and I go like go to lift something or just like hard like grip like some <laughs> big piece of metal that I clearly used to be able to just like palm. And I go like mm-hmm. just look at it and if like breezy catches my eye, I'm like, I have dainty little <laughs> computer hands and I can't I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I used to I used to work on the floor. I, I don't anymore. Now I write a desk. I don't know, man. This is this is this is what I'm this is what I'm working with. <laughs> it's like those uh, uh, the suspension bolts on chain motors. Mm-hmm. That you can do it with just a, a just a regular ratchet. Gotta have the breaker bar though. You can't do it without it. <laughs> they are just so tight. It's like my hands. <laughs> my hands are so keyboard calibrated that I am not even familiar with that bolt. So. I got nothing. <laughs> There's always tomorrow. Well, I was curious, uh, Brian. Do you have an opinion on uh, belts versus roller chain for automated effects? Oh, right, mm. that one. So uh, maybe this is like a so no, <laughs> maybe there's some overarching philosophy here that I haven't quite wrapped my head around yet. I think belts are super sexy, and I want to use them every single time they're a possibility. I have never succeeded at implementing a belt <laughs> in a piece of scenic automation. Uh, I have put them into things that have been cut, not related to the belt, just they got cut because it wasn't a useful thing to do. Mm. And I've put them in things where I have had to jump ship and switch over to chain because I couldn't get the tensioning right and we were skipping teeth on the sprocket. 
so a chain never skips the teeth. Well, I don't know. I mean, that feels like a challenge accepted <laughs> that somebody might jump out and prove me wrong. But uh, yeah, I tried to make a lift that was belt driven and I was super excited about it. And I've seen them work other places, but I have never succeeded. So I had to switch at the last minute. I, mean, I talked earlier about like pushing too deep into tech and previews with mm-hmm. a piece of this automation or whatever, not polished, not ready for opening. Um, I was really excited about a belt driven lift design that I had come up with a couple of years ago. And we, you know, too many days of not being able to rehearse that entrance and exit. We had to just cut bait, switch it over to chain. It's reliable. It's known to work and it's nowhere <laughs> near as noisy as everybody who blames it for noise mm-hmm. thinks it is. Um, we put it in place and I was ready for it to be noisy. I was like, I, I warned the director, we've got to switch. I'm sorry. It's going to be noisy. Mm-hmm. We're going to hate it, but it's going to work. And if you really need this scene, we got to do it. And we switched and you couldn't hear that thing from the house at all. It was fine. Yeah. It was downstage center and the front row couldn't hear it. And chain was reliable and got the job done. <laughs> <laughs> so I think chain is the practical, reliable solution and belt. If you can figure out how to make it work, somehow it's magically sexy, but best of luck. <laughs> That's where I land on that one. I think I think you're going to get along great here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there, there was a brief round of folks uh, that really love the belts uh, at CCI, and I think we've all kind of mm-hmm. come back to practicality. And uh, We even bought that super special... Sonic uh belt tension meter. Yeah. Wow, that sounds exciting. Yeah. <laughs> that it's, is a it's if not you dig fun. tools, it sounds like a good fancy thing. Yeah. Cool. I Snow, didn't change uh, anything about the tension, but meter, it's getting a different reading every time. Uh, yeah. Right. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It, it seems like you it. need more engagement than they say it should to get you know, like maximum engagement around and not have slip. And then the amount of tension you need is just astronomical. Versus like, oh, chain. You can run a chain loose and it won't jump. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Belt drive from the bottom is a terrible idea. We, so we, I tried to build a lift where the motor and the drive sprockets were on the bottom. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't get any added. Like I, I might have succeeded if I had somehow had the drive shaft above, but you can't really put the drive shaft above a lift because <laughs> <laughs> the platform has to go through the drive shaft that way and that doesn't work. It works um, once. I guess if you had two motors right. and you were using, you know, uh, synced control, but yeah, you know, one motor down below with a drive shaft, there was I just wasn't getting the tension that was going to get it done. Right. Two belt stages and a chain stage across. <laughs> <laughs> a mixed medium, if you will. Yeah, that's good variety for the spice of life. Do you like? Uh, Chain or uh, belt? Like, baby, why choose? Baby, why choose? <laughs> Let's get them all involved. What? <laughs> Maybe a little rack and pinion why to round it out. Both? Yeah. <laughs> Porque lenos dos? Uh, yeah, that was. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think that's uh, rounding out the list of our questions. Uh, th- thanks for joining us, Brian. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, and uh, we'll catch you all next time. Bye. Bye.